Um, I'm doing, as I mentioned last week, I'm going to try to do two different topics, or two general topics, that, um, and of course, this will necessitate, um, you know, going a little bit more quickly, um, and that is, has to do with socializing with uh, non-Jews, and the, um, a few practical topics in regard to kashras, not every single situation, but a few things that come up um, in work situations. So the first topic has to do with socializing. So as here is the first bullet point is many xeris of chazal. Um, it's one of those areas of halacha uh, in which it's important to note. This uh, is reminiscent of what we talked about the first uh, the first year that you can't just simply limit um, the discussion to particulars of halacha. Um, you have to understand that there's a value um, in chazal um, to create a kind of sense of separation and uh, differentiation between Jews and non-Jews. Um, that's something which is of uh, critical importance. Um, that obviously can be very challenging in a work setting um, in which there is a, an emphasis on collaboration and you know, building connections with other people and working in a, uh, in, and developing to some degree friendships, at least within a work setting. Um, nonetheless, it's important to note that. I mean, we know that there's there's uh, a chazal that have to do with pasakum, uh, that have to do with cholavakum, that have to do with bishulakum, right? They were very concerned about um, developing close relationships. Um, it's re- referred to often as chasnus, uh, that uh, has to do with intermarriage, but in general, you know, psukim in the Torah as well, chazal were very concerned about the influences um, and the corrosive kind of uh, um, impact it can have upon a Jewish person. Um, so that's something which is important. And then, in general, that means that within a work setting, um, it is appropriate, um, and sometimes it's appropriate and oftentimes desirable that a person will develop um, what you call cordial and respectful relationships with other people. Um, that that would translate into um, what you call some kind of deep friendship and, uh, and you know, connections from one to the other on the surface seems to run counter to these a very fundamental value um, from, a, from a Torah point of view. Um, again, both because of the corrosive element that it can introduce, but also because of the potential for intermarriage. This is something which is known. You know, unfortunately it's known. Sometimes you just say to yourself, intermarriage, what do you mean intermarriage? Not, not a person who's Shomer Torah Mitzvahs. Um, until it actually happens or until you know you have inappropriate relationships that can happen with people in the work setting um, that's something which is um, which is well known and in any case that's something which is a you know an important framework before getting into any details um, to know that one is supposed to try to reduce those um, social and the friendship kind of interactions again I don't doesn't mean at all that you can't be friendly it doesn't mean that you can't be respectful but it should be in such a way so that a person is guarded. They should, you know, not feel like this is my, unless they don't have any other close friends, but they shouldn't feel like this is my closest friend, my dearest, you know, confidant, uh, things along those lines. Um, that seems to run counter to, again, very fundamental ideas that we have all the way back to, to, uh, to the Chamisha Yechum Torah. So, first question is in regard to drinking alcohol. Um, mentioning this, even though it might be more relevant uh, for men, I don't know, but uh, maybe women drink, drink alcohol less. But um, all of these topics I'm discussing now are very detailed, um, so I'm just going to run through them quickly. 
So the bottom line which emerges from the sources in the halacha is that uh, drinking alcohol together with non-Jews is a very serious problem. And that's important to note because um, before you get to any details, it's just a very bad idea. You know what I'm saying? That's clear. The Gemara talks about um, two Amorayim who were in a store where they had purchased beer. And the Gemara talks about, mentions two different opinions. Um, one Amora went out of the store and then drank his beer. And the other Amora made sure to go home first before he would drink his beer. So he wouldn't drink beer in a, in a non-Jewish setting. Um, so there's a whole discussion in Halacha about the exact parameters of, you know, what is allowed or not allowed. We'll get to some of the details, of just a couple of them in just a moment. One thing which emerges is that Chazal thought it was a bad idea for Jews to be drinking alcohol with non-Jews and even if, not, if you're not drinking together with non-Jews, even in a non-Jewish setting. So even, let's say, for example, according to the serious problem, in halacha, entering into a bar and drinking, let's say, for example, if two Jewish people go to a bar, um, and not, I don't know if there's such a thing as a Jewish bar, but let's assume there might be, like, for example, a, a lot kosher bar. I, I think there are, actually. But in any case, let's say, for example, let goes to a kosher setting, it's owned by a Jewish person. Okay, that's a different story, that's a different discussion. But okay. But uh, let's assume for a minute it's a non-Jewish setting, as most bars are. And person says, we're only going out three from people, two from people, whatever the case might That's a serious issue with whether you're allowed to do such a thing. That's the... That's the case in the Gemara. The Gemara is not talking about Amoraim drinking beer together with um, any non-Jewish people. They're drinking beer only on their own. And that, is a, is that, that by itself, you know, the Gemara says very clearly, indicates very clearly it's Osir. Then the question is, there would be situations in which you might permit it for one reason or another, but those are, how should I put this, you get the idea that it's a terrible idea according to Chazal, maybe you can come up with a hetar you know, in an extenuating circumstance, but a Jewish person who asks the question, can I go into a bar and have a drink, um, the answer generally would be um, no, it's a bad idea generally, and it's, uh, it seems to run counter to the spirit of the halacha, before you get into any details. Um, now, if it's done, it says over here, informally on a one-time basis. Let's say, for example, somebody says, I want to go for, to, to a bar with you and we're going to close uh, some multi-million dollar deal. That's the only place that I want to go to. No, I don't want to go to the restaurant. I'm not interested, etc., etc. Could you allow it on a very short-term basis? The answer is, in Alacha, Rishonim mentioned, quoted in the Shulchan Aruch, that if it's done, first of all, it's done informally, which means to say it's not like a two-hour meeting. It's not like uh, you're sitting there and drinking like over an extended period of time. A person drinks for a short period of time, let's say, for example, has a, I don't know, a beer or something or another, has one. They, they don't do this repeatedly. Then there's a basis for allowing it um, in an ex- in, 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 in urgent or extenuating circumstance. Um, and also there's another hatter which is mentioned a little bit further down which is there is a Ramah who says that the quotes an opinion that the whole restriction only applies in regard to the beer which they used to drink in the time of the Gemara which was date beer um, I don't know if you can buy date beer nowadays you know what I'm saying beer made of dates I don't know but anyway but that's the drink in the time of the Gemara um, but many 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 post game assume that the Ramah's position should not be relied upon um, and, gener- and therefore it would apply to basically all, just about, let's assume for our purposes, alcoholic beverages in general. You know, even though there are lean opinions you could find in halacha, 
you know, but in general terms, you know, for a person who's asking on a lichatchila basis, if it's not a very extenuating circumstance which a person can lose their job or something along those lines, um, we would assume that they, it would apply to alcoholic beverages in general. And uh, that means that, again, any non-Jewish setting, like for example a bar or other non-Jewish settings as well, a person should not be drinking. And certainly if you're drinking together with non-Jews, that makes it even worse. Okay, that's clear as well. Um, so a little bit, uh, if you take a look at the practically part of it, um, it says practically drinking beer or other alcoholic beverages in a bar should be avoided. It's even more of a problem in terms of the spirit of the law of drinking with non-Jews. If it's an emergency, there's a base to be lenient. If it's not a habit and it's done quickly, if you don't do it repeatedly, you don't go out there like a number of times, but rather it's a one-time type of thing and it's uh, relatively brief. Um, which means an extended meeting is a problem. Um, always, if it's a choice between a bar or a restaurant, go to a restaurant rather than going to a bar, because the place which is sort of like Miyuchad, which is designated for drinking, according to certainly the spirit of Allah, is, uh, is much worse. And um, a uh, person should try also to drink something non-alcoholic. That's one way of um, not completely resolving the issue, because still the context and the setting is uh, problematic. But if, let's say, a person says, uh, I'd rather not, I have to get home, I have to drive home, I don't want to fall asleep on the subway, I don't want to fall asleep on the train, you know what I'm saying, I have, I'm cutting back on my alcohol, whatever the case might be, then obviously that changes things dramatically. That's one way of resolving the whole thing. Generally, in, a, in, a, in any kind of setting, right, I think this is something which is um, important to note, any kind of setting that is non-Jewish or together with non-Jews, avoiding drinking alcohol, you get a, the impression from the Allah is just a terrible idea. Yes? Um, and what if you would, you know, like a, let's say, bar or club or something like that, and it has a council area, a small table, and let's say you're the other person, and you're just sitting there with a small table, outdoors. You know, I have two people sitting in a club and they eat, but sometimes they have a short for that. Is it steady or is it maybe closed steady? Doesn't have to be enclosed. In other words, if that's a, if that's but if it's a non-Jewish place and still it's an extension of the place, when they, the Gemara said, I mentioned that the Gemara says that there were two Amorim who entered into a store, they got their beer, and they one then waited till he got outside before he drank his beer, and the other one waited until he went home. So it means leaving the whole setting. You know, the assumption was that, so if uh, if it's a non-Jewish setting then a person should not be, should not be drinking there. Even if there's no, if there's no non-Jews there. No, even if there's no interaction with those Yeah, 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 right. And the interaction makes it worse. The interaction makes it worse. Yeah. So, technically, from a technical point of view, it probably would be permitted. Um, if you're in such a place, but in terms of the, what I would call the spirit of the halacha, I would say it's still considered to be a problem. Why would one want to be in some place which clearly the Gemara, you know, indicates? So there's certain things that the spirit of the, you know, it's a place where you're not allowed to drink, so you're getting away by not drinking. But in the end, it's a setting that, uh, you know, that is, in, is associated with an Easter. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's, it's, and, and, and here, it's not, it's not the same as, um, how should I put this, let's say, for example, a technical issue as to whether something is kosher or non-kosher. Here, it's based upon a, a, a value system in which, you know, the expression, which means distance yourself from something which is inappropriate. So here, 
you're not allowed to drink there. So, yeah, technically, if you didn't drink something alcoholic, it's much, much, much better. It's totally different. But still, it's still a setting. Because <laughs> I told you, you would pick up, uh, take a sip of a beer, you may have just done a prohibition. So, you're not really supposed to be there. You know what I mean? It's like... Um, not from a, from a purely technical point of view. I don't know as to whether from a purely technical point of view. Certainly, it would be, uh, I would assume, much more problematic just in, in general terms. In other words, without, uh, you know, from a purely, how should it, from a, a rational point of view, you might say. Yes, it's more problematic because the interaction, you're much more concerned about the interaction. You have, let's say, for example, some men sitting together, so you assume that uh, there's not going to be immorality generally between them. But if uh, it's, a, it's a, a context of men and women together, we do fine. Let's say, for example, it comes up as, um, in the context of Zimun, and the fact that we don't make a combination of men and women for Zimun, that there's a concern that, you know, when people are sitting together and they're drinking, so then it can result in inappropriate behavior. So, in, for, it's not from a technical point of view. The halacha was, these halachas were focused upon, you know, didn't introduce the, the question of men and women. Certainly, it makes sense that uh, if there are men and women together, it becomes much more of a problem. Um, yeah. Okay. So, now... One of the other questions, just this, this next topic um, is there, number one, because it's Talbach, number two, it's here for shock value. Now, what do I mean for shock value? Drinking coffee in a non-Jewish setting. So you say, wait a second, what does that mean? Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, like what are you exactly referring to? The answer is yes. And there, we're going to see that there is a discussion in the posting which, which results in, even if you're making in regard to this, it should result in... The, one of the points which I'm making, there's the halachic element and the ashkaf element. And the ashkaf element sometimes comes in like in full force, right? In a, like with, uh, you know, with what you might say blunt force, with, with, with a, in a very a powerful kind of way. So this, I'm going to try to just summarize, this is a summary all by itself. Many of the post teams say that, you know, the whole prohibition we just discussed now has to do with alcohol. It doesn't have to do with coffee. And then certainly according to Rama, we mentioned before, the Rama only said that it, it Rama quotes an opinion at least, that refers only to date beer. Um, and then we find that numerous other posts, and we said, yes, the Jews would drink coffee, for example, the, uh, the, the, uh, in, in, in Baghdad, um, and in other places, they note that yes, this was a custom which existed, the Jews would drink uh, coffee in, they had coffee houses back then as well, in non-Jewish settings. However, there were a number of poskim who said, well, wait a second, the basic question, apparently they considered coffee to be a drink of some significance. People back then liked coffee as well. I think only nowadays. They liked coffee. They liked sitting and drinking coffee. It was something that apparently, you know, was done in a social kind of manner. So they, they, they emphasized that extending the halacha that came up in regard to sheikhar, that came up in regard to beer, why logically would that not apply to people sitting around and drinking coffee together? Um, for which reason, some very prominent and mainstream postgim um, were of the position that this would apply to coffee as well. So they thought that the halacha, which originally starts in the Gemara, appears in the Shulchan Aruch, that halacha would apply in regard to coffee as well. Which would mean two things, by the way. It would mean, number one, that you shouldn't have Jews probably drinking coffee together with non-Jews, um, but even drinking coffee in, let's say, a non-Jewish setting, let's say, for example, a coffee house, 
would be a problem according to this. You would have to take it out of the coffee house. Now, the Chachmas uh, Adam um, here introduces the Ashkafa element. In the Chachmas Adam, it's towards the bottom of this, uh, of where it says this strict view. The Chachmas Adam says, you know what, really, according to the Halacha, it really should be permissible. It's really not included in the, in the Halacha, which came up in the Sheikhar, that applied in regard to alcoholic beverages, coffee is non-alcoholic. However, and for this is the only source I think that I wrote, that I copied over the actual citation, and the Chachmas Adam says like this, it's in Hebrew, so did they have hot chocolate back in those days? They had hot chocolate. This is just an anecdotal historical point, in case it's relevant. So the Chachma Sadam writing quite some, it's a long time ago, maybe sometime in the mid-1800s, uh, mid, um, yeah, 1800s, maybe the beginning of the 1800s, the Chachma Sadam writes, the beginning of the 1800s, You can drink it in a, in a non-Jewish setting. Oh, now listen, he's not writing in Manhattan, he's not writing in Long Island, in Queens, in, uh, you know, in Brooklyn, in Passaic, you know, Teaneck, Englewood, uh, West Orange. He's writing in Europe a long time ago, a long time ago, maybe close to a couple hundred years ago. He says, Kilkulim happened. He's talking about because the fact that certainly at those times, you know, it was considered to be halavakum, right? So therefore, you had a problem. In other words, without ever terum exists nowadays, it didn't exist in those days. So it was in Yisrgamor. Wow. He says, actual, there were situations where this resulted in immorality. Kayadua, as is known. And back then they didn't have the internet, so Kayadua was like, you know, it was like Kayadua because people, right, related to one another what had happened, right? Kayadua, that's an astonishing word, Kayadua, it's no, people know that people who sit in non-Jewish coffee houses, so this results in this, apparently, this interaction with non-Jews, and as a result, it results in this Kayadua, shouldn't drink anything there. So this, he's saying, Mikar Adin according to Allah. You want to know the I'll tell you what the Allah is. Allah is its mutter. But if you're going to start this practice, then it's a terrible idea. This is where, you know, so what are you going to, how would you quote the Chach Masadim in regard to this? Say, something like quote the Chach Masadim says mutter. <laughs> so technically it's true. It's mutter, but like, you know, I, as I mentioned when I, we talked about Yichud last week, it's like quoting from Rabbi Willig. Rabbi Willig said, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it would be, it, it happens to go again. It's, um, even a mutter be you know, In other words, this Chach Masadim says, even though it's mutter, it's also. I'm saying, what do you mean? It gets, it, 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 it uh, is something which can result in a compromise of the most fundamental um, Torah values that one has. So therefore, don't do it. So this, in regards to drinking coffee, let's just talk about the issue of drinking coffee. So let's say, is one allowed to go into a Starbucks or go into a, um, a Dunkin' Donuts and, and sit and drink a coffee? So, assuming for a minute you've taken care of the kashrus issues, which we're not discussing right now, and the person relies on the fact that it's okay, assuming that to be true. So, let's say you've said, any setting where you ha- think that there's no problem in terms of the kashrus issues, which can be a question. So then, even Jews drinking alone is at least a shayla. It's a shayla, because if you say that it applies, that there's an extension of the same halacha, remember, sheikhar means that you can't drink it 
even in the non-Jewish setting, even in the store, even if there aren't that you're not drinking it together with non-Jews. Drinking with non-Jews makes it, you know, much worse. But then, in terms of, let's say, for example, regularly going out with um, uh, non-Jewish people from work on a regular basis, and even having, let's say, for example, coffee or something else in some other setting where there's no problem in terms of kashras, so this runs into, you, you, may, you may be able to say that it's, according to many post it's a motor. Some post say that it's a problem, but many post say that it's a motor. It's not subsumed under the halacha, which only they say applies to alcoholic beverages. But nonetheless, you have to wonder as to whether it engenders more of a sense of closeness, of togetherness, you know, that then results in blurring of boundaries. The Chachma Sadam is very, very vehemently against it. And you have to wonder as to whether the Chachma Sadam said it so long ago as to whether it's a problem nowadays. There's, I'm not saying every case is exactly the same. And if, let's say, for example, a person said that, you know, uh, my boss told me that he wants to go out for uh, coffee, right, to a particular place, and uh, I think that it's not a cautious problem, and it's a non-Jewish setting, but he wants to sit and have a coffee there, and he knows that I drink coffee, so then can I, I'm allowed to have a coffee there. So there are hetero you can come up with, if it's a one-time type of thing, if it's a business setting, if it's, uh, if, you know, we mentioned before that if it's a one, if it's one time and it's not something which is prolonged and extended, then there are hetero, even in regard to alcoholic beverages, when really necessary. But, um, again, the Hashkafa part over here and figuring out whether the setting and the uh, circumstance is appropriate or not, that's something which has to be taken into account. Okay? Where? In? So I think the break room is, uh, is uh, very different. I don't think the break room, that what they were talking about was a place. Um, you know, the break room is no different than, let's say, for example, a cafeteria. It's no different, I think, than a cafeteria, you know. Um, and it's not a place which is designated for drinking. It's a place where it's, tra- it's transient and, you know, so I don't think that's the same at all. I don't think it's the same at all. Um, okay, so now, turn to the other side of the page. This is a very involved topic. There's a, you know, there, the summary of this really is like is several pages long, the summary. But um, the, the following questions come up. So first of all, we'll start off before getting to holiday party, the prohibition to attend the celebration of a non-Jew. You should be aware of the fact that it's not so simple attending let's say, for example, a wedding or an engagement party of a non-Jewish person. Not so simple at all. The Gemara says, the Gemara in Avodah says that um, Jews in Chutzlaret are, mentioned some statement, like they, it's like they're accidentally, without them really being aware of it, are eating from a sacrifice of Avodah Zara. Um, pretty strong language, and it quotes a pasuk in regard to it, actually. Um, but in any case, there's a um, prohibition, the Gemara says, against attending this nishta, this celebration, um, which the Gemara seems to be referring to a wedding celebration. And um, the reason is because the, the assumption is that somehow, by participating, you may be somehow um, um, causing this uh, non-Jewish person greater reason to thank their deity, their deity, that uh, they may thank their God for, you know, 
one of my friends came, and I have an even more reason to be grateful. Um, some of the post, some of the some of the psukim in the Torah seems to seem to refer to the question of intermarriage as well, but maybe it'll develop when we'll develop closer relationships. And there's a whole discussion which I just mentioned. I'm just going to mention briefly here as to whether it's also in Torah midrabbanon. According to some poskim, it actually is an isim in Torah, and a very significant number of poskim take that point of view. It's an isim in Torah. Um, so there is a discussion in regard to this. Attending, therefore, in a situation where a person is asked for, you know, I'm asked to attend. Certainly, people know this, but it's certainly attending in, in, in a church is a, is a huge, is a very significant problem, and almost always would be offered. But even if it's some other more neutral kind of setting, just attending the celebration itself, um, if it can be avoided, should definitely be avoided. It seems to be a straightforward application of the din of the Gemara. Now, are there heterim in extenuating um, circumstances? So the answer is that that there are some poskim. This is the view of the of the shach. Um, but again, the view of some poskim. The shach was of the position that um, that in the situation of eva, will cause animosity, then there's a heter to participate. So if let's say, for example, if somebody um, from work who will you know be absolutely you know, furious at you, um, and it will cause some, again something which is categorized as Ava. Um, it doesn't mean that they'll be a little bit you know annoyed and get over it. Ava is something of serious animosity. So in that case, there may be reason to be lenient. I want to emphasize that not all postgim agree with the heter of Ava. Um, Ramosha Feinstein seems to assume um, in discussing this that possibly. Possibly, I'm not saying with certainty, but possibly, if you're there for a short period of time, it's a one-time basis. Maybe that would be another heter. Maybe, um, according to Moshe Feinstein, he has a tshuva in which he discusses um, putting together some kind of uh, attending um, this kind of celebration, and he mentions that you would that heter would apply. That heter of Moshe is not necessarily an obvious one because I'll just mention briefly borrowing heter from another context. Um, it's not necessarily self-evident that it would apply here as well, but Moshe does mention it. So one would have to ask a Shiloh. There's no, there's no, no doubt that a Shiloh is required if one is contemplating attending. Um, let's say, for example, it could be a, um, it could be a, a wedding, or it could be an engagement. It could be a, I don't know what, anniversary party, theoretically. Um, you know, anything along those lines. One should ask a, a question as to one, whether one is allowed to participate. If one participates, the better, based upon a hat, the better thing to do is not really to eat and drink there. Because it seems, at least from some sources, that, um, you know, that, that the eating and drinking sort of like shows that you're a real participant. Um, so even if it's kosher or you can just have a drink of soda or something like that, um, I've told people in the past that I think that if a person has to attend something or another, there's always a rule of thumb that not eating um, is, a, uh, is a good idea. It's somehow, it's according to a technical halacha and according to, I think, the, uh, the, the spirit of halacha, it means that a person is really not participating. Especially if you get hungry or thirsty by the end and you really feel like you're not participating. Like you didn't enjoy it as much. If you're somewhere or another and you're eating and you're drinking and, you know, and, you know it's all kosher and you really feel like part of things, so then I think oftentimes this is my own point of view you can feel like you're really part of it but if you sort of refrain from that and you remind yourself I'm not really part of this I'm not really like really part of this and one of the ways you remind yourself you're not really part of it is because you don't really participate and when you come home people will say so how's the food and what did you drink and you say well I decided not to you know like it has an, impress- it has an impact upon yourself sometimes you make like a siad we might have talked about this the first time the first time like 
the very first year that there's this idea which is the Mishilis Vesharm that talks about Afim Hashemeris um, Mishmaiti because I'll talk about you make a fence for the Torah and sometimes it means making a personal fence sometimes you make your own personal siyag Right? And this would be an example where even if you are allowed to have a drink some or another, even if you are allowed to eat something, then sometimes refraining from doing so can, can impact, the, impact upon oneself The one is really not part of the, uh, the whole celebration. Um, in any case, that's one situation. And then let's transition over to um, holiday parties. Holiday parties and, and uh, in a work setting and uh, social parties sort of go together in the same discussion. In a situation which I, I, I understand is more unusual nowadays, where it's a party which is specifically associated with, let's say, for example, December 25th, and that, that's the focus of it. I've heard of circumstances such as this, where, let's say, for example, you'll go there, you're supposed to exchange presents around the tree. I remember somebody once asking this question, right, where actually they did that. So that is self-evidently a very significant problem. Um, and, you know, find some way to not to participate. Um, and that's uh, very, very difficult to um, excuse if either it takes place on the date itself um, or um, even more significantly if, let's say, there are things that happen there um, that are, you know, self-evidently part of the, the, the ways in which the, the, the holiday is supposed to be celebrated. Um, however, if it's generic, it's a holiday party. And, you know, it's not really meant to be associated with one holiday, but it's a, you know, in American culture, it's an opportunity to have a good time. So why not? You know what I mean, you always want to have a good time as much as possible. You always want to do something which is fun. So given that value, so this is yet another opportunity for that. And it is, you know, around the time of, in quotation marks, the holidays. So then there are sources that will allow this. I'm saying that slowly and hesitantly because... I meant to say with some hesitation so as not to make you know, it out to be something which is great and wonderful. The Lavush, one of the early Achronim, mentions a distinction between a celebration as opposed to something which is for Darchi Shalom, something which is for to create, you know, good relations, which I think, you know, is to create good relations amongst people. For Darchi Shalom, in order to have peaceful, um, amicable relations with other people. So, one could argue that according to Levush, this would fit into that category. Um, obviously, if one could invoke, you know, if it could possibly cause some kind of Eva, as we mentioned before, then uh, even other kinds of uh, celebrations, according to some post-scheme, like permissible if it would cause Eva, like real bona fide animosity. Um, and some post-scheme argue that it's a little bit different than many of the situations which are discussed in the Halacha, because... If, and this is if, if it's, you know, a business context, if it's meant, you know, in order to, you know, you, you might say in the broader context, in order to uh, create, um, you know, relationships within a business setting, maybe that's not considered like a celebration or a social setting in a normal sense, but it has a particular goal. So maybe that would be another reason for leniency. At the same time, I want to note that um, when you take a look at some of the sources in Halacha, for example, I'll just mention the Rambam in one place, even though it's not quoted in the Shulchan Aruch, but there are significant number of posts who take this Rambam quite seriously. The Rambam says you're not allowed to attend Mesibos, I think the Lashon is Mesibos Shal Nachrim. That means like meals. 
like getting get-togethers, misimos, whatever you call it, misimos, like a meal get-together, a meal get-together, you know, um, of non-Jews. And then the Raman goes into the description. He says, if you have mostly non-Jews, that means it's a, sell, it's a misimos, shall not come and you're not allowed to be there. And then the person will discuss, you know, what does the Raman mean? And there is a discussion as to whether we pass him like the Raman. Some say maybe not, but other posts can take it very seriously and think that maybe yes. Um, that, that, in addition to the, again, sometimes in regard to these issues, in addition to the technical question, is to, you know, and th- that, that is whether you're allowed to attend a Mesibo Shel, Shel Nachrim. Ramosha, for example, in his Shubha, when he discusses this, I think seems to reference that Rambam. Because he says that the halacha is, you're not supposed to attend it. Something like the, he lives that Russian, Mesibo Shel Nachrim. So, there's the value. You see that it's not a good idea. You see that in the halacha, according to the Rambam, and, and their post team who follow this point of view, it's just not the right kind of setting. Um, so, what one does, both because of the letter of the law, because there are certain questions, it's not self-evidently like a slam dunk, it's 100% mutter according to everyone, right? Because you could make a claim, it's subsumed in the civil shanachrin. So, um, and number two, because of the spirit of the law, as we've discussed, you know, referenced a number of times, the best thing is to try to limit one's involvement there. So that means limit, number one, you have some guidance from the halacha, limit the time frame. That was one of the reasons why in the halacha they allowed you to be able to sometimes take a drink in a non-Jewish setting or together with a non-Jewish person because it's, it's, um, it's something which is uh, awry, it's something which is, or I, I should say, it's awry, because the fact it's temporary, it takes a short period of time. Um, in addition to that, you know, we mentioned that actually not drinking, let's say for example, um, is uh, something which can be done. Let's say, even though I want to say that this is where the practical issue, I think I saw in one place, maybe Rabbi Wasserman mentioned this, that, um, you know, if let's say for example, it's sort of like assumed you're in a setting where everybody's giving out drinks and everybody's handing you drinks or something along those lines, it might be kedai to have a cup of, you know, Diet Coke in your hand, whether you're drinking it or not, just say, no, I'm covered. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just so they won't, they, we're not going to hand you something if they see you have something in your hand, right, already. Um, but in any case, best to try to limit one's involvement as, as much as possible. Um, if, if push comes to shove and a person has to attend, so then it's mentioned in postgame that you know, that attendance is, uh, there is a reason, as we're mentioning now, to allow it. Um, maybe because of Eva, maybe because the fact it's considered to be Darche Shalom, um, things along those lines, maybe because the fact that it's for business purposes, um, maybe those are some of the terms that we'd be able to invoke here. Uh, but again, one would try to limit one's involvement as much as possible. Yeah. So the, when it only it's all Jews? I think that changes things in terms of the tone. I think it changes things in terms of the tone. If you have um, it's a Jewish setting, I mean, I guess you know it's still not. Let me just say from a Shkafa point of view, you have to think if the setting you want to be in is an appropriate setting, etc. Which obviously is always a, a critical consideration. So that's a question which one has to weigh, but it does still, I think, um, change somewhat. You know, it shifts somewhat the halacha. Some of the technical halachas that we have over here, right, would not apply in the same way. Um, you know, assuming that we apply some of the halachas which we have, that they're considered, we call tinoko shenizvo. We don't, we don't assume that, you know, a non-observant Jew is considered to be, you know, a, uh, someone who is, um, you know, who, 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 who has, is, 
is going to have necessarily the same impact or has the same agenda, in quotation marks, or um, you might say a subtle agenda as a non-Jewish person. Um, and so I, I would think that would be better most of the time. Be better. Not because of the fact that then a person should say I'm all in and just attend it no matter what, because obviously you have to weigh all the variables and the atmosphere. But I think it would be it would be a difference in terms of could be a difference in terms of Allah and in terms of the tone of things. Um, yeah. So let's say for example a person works for you know and a person works for uh, I don't know what some kind of uh, Jewish organization where many of the people are non-observant and you know I know people who work in such settings and you're t- asked to attend the party let's say for example so yeah we think it would be different you know we think it'd be the one person who I think of uh, a young individual who's who is in a setting in which uh, mentions that he's one of I was shocked about how many how few the number of observant people that work in this very large setting I said really? like almost nobody worked there so I would imagine that they would have many Jews who are not orthodox that many 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 Jews who are not orthodox who are there I'd imagine probably that they have a policy that they also you know it's a setting where they have to employ non-Jews as well so let's assume for a minute that it's mostly mostly Jewish people for a minute taking your question so, yeah, that's, the setting is one in which uh, a lot of Jewish people, that's much better than attending some, you know, than some, attending a, an event where it's, uh, where it's uh, mostly non-Jewish people. Um, yeah, the Ramam did talk about, you know, this question about, again, this is where you borrow and you see the value system. He says it depends upon whether it's majority Jews or non-Jews can determine, um, even though, Anyway, okay. So again, many different variables have to be weighed, but uh, in most times I assume that that wouldn't make a real difference. Now, in terms of holiday gifts, so holiday gifts sometimes come up, comes up, I've been told at times that there's an expectation. Sometimes I've been told about this where you, you, there's uh, some kind of lottery or something like that, and everybody has to give to somebody else. But I find that is something... Sorry? Uh-huh. Okay, whatever it is. So... Uh, Okay, so there's an issue in terms of giving gifts to non-Jews in general, which most of the time when people give gifts to non-Jews is totally and absolutely irrelevant, because if you give it to your cleaning lady, or you give it to the postman, or you give it to the, uh, who else do you give it to? The, the guy who delivers milk? A long time ago. Anyway, but in any case, but you know, but, uh, you know, if you, if, if you give it to somebody or another, the assumption, not opposed to you make, is that it's, it's, it's actually some kind of transaction which is taking place, and that you are, both acknowledging something which they've given to you, which is good service, and secondly, you want them to continue delivering the mail, you know, and not losing it, so therefore you would give them a gift, right? So, so the gift is not, um, it's not what's called in halacha ma'nashinam, which is literally a gift for nothing, right? Because the emphasis is for nothing. You're just giving it as a sign of affection. So here it's not as a sign of affection, so therefore um, we oftentimes do give gifts, many people give gifts um, to non-Jewish people who they work with. And it could be sometimes if you would give a Let's say, for example, if it's customary to a boss or a coworker or things along those lines, you know, where everybody's giving gifts to one another, well, again, it's a sign of appreciation, right, that sometimes I'll, you know, stay late to do your work and sometimes you'll stay late to do my work. You want that kind of relationship to continue. So, it's not Magnaschino. Um, in regard to a holiday gift, so the two considerations which are mentioned in Allah are, number one, don't say, right, Mary, 
don't say that, you know, and when you're giving the gift, number one, don't say that in general, but that's uh, mentioned in the post game as well, that the one should try to avoid um, such a greeting, one should make, make sure to give a very generic kind of greeting, and um, secondly, one should not say that it's for the holiday. That would obviously constitute a problem, associating the gift directly with the holiday. Secondly, don't give it on the day of the holiday itself, which I think most of the time will work out because nobody's working in those days. So you're not seeing the person hopefully that day. So make sure to give it. And if I remember correctly, you know, I think my parents used to do this, but they would, you know, like, you make sure, like, you know, you don't tell the person that there's a concept that also has reason like demon doing things early, but when you give it to the person on, like, for example, December 18th, right, you say, wanted to get it in early, right? So halachically, there's a value there because you're dissociating it even though it doesn't have to be seven days early. It could be, you know, two days early or three days early but by dissociating it from the tone of things. You know, you're giving, you know, a gift for the holiday season or however you want to phrase it exactly or you can say nothing. The person will understand automatically. Um, so if you, in those, mentioned in numerous places that um, if you adhere to those rules then that should be okay and therefore if they have this system whereby there's an expectation of exchanging gifts or giving gifts to everybody, etc., then it should technically be permissible if you adhere to this. Um, one thing to avoid is the giving non-kosher food, um, which results in... There are technical... I can go through some of the details in regard to it, but it, I think it's just confusing. Why give non-kosher food? Give them, you know, the best kosher wine or something along those lines. You know, it, there are technical issues if you give non-kosher food then if it uh, could be us in the Torah, certainly then it can create problems. So therefore, you know, I'm just writing down, don't give non-kosher food. I don't think usually you have to. Yes? What about being part of like bridal showering and those things? So I think, again, if it's somebody who you work with and uh, it's meant, so then I think that that's okay. For, you know, because the fact is it's an expectation and it's uh, no different than around the time of the holiday season you're not giving it as a matna chinam just for the sake of affection you're giving it even though it can be interpreted in that way but it's understood that you need to do this in order to be right, there's an element in which a person can interpret it as some kind of affection but you are doing it I think in order to uh, maintain good relations with the person you know, so for that reason it would be permissible Well, needy family certainly should be okay because you're allowed to give. Allah says you actually have an obligation to certainly be responsive to giving to non-Jewish people um, because of darchei shalom. Some interpret it maybe beyond darchei shalom to maintain peaceful relations. Maybe it's just something which is important anyway. Um, so, oh, so you're so it's given. Uh huh. That's an interesting question. Right. Like the whole department will take the collection. They'll adopt all the family meeting families. It's very common. Right. It's not holiday yet. It's so different. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's so careful. Well, they they just have a family and they get they they adopt the meeting families more than you know the unit and they'll get a family meeting it's a very interesting question on two levels number one because of the fact that I'm not giving it directly and I have to think about that a little bit I'm not giving it directly but it's being even though it is and it is assuming that it's dollar for dollar I give more they'll give more money so in the end they are transferring over um, money which I'm giving them 
Um, that's one interesting part of it. Is it. Well, yes, but it's also it's also charity. So it's not like a regular Xmas gift, but it's a charity gift. I wonder if the whether you could look at it as a charity gift, with charity which is being given on Xmas, which, again, I'm not saying it's not problematic. It's an interesting question. Uh, I think there's more reason, I haven't thought through it thoroughly, but I, there's more reason to be lenient in regard to that than something which is given as a classical kind of Xmas gift. Um, you know, this is, uh, it's for charitable purposes. I'm wondering as to whether that... Right, which is, I'm assuming that's so it's a little bit different. And I'm saying supporting the charity element to it. It's a, a very interesting question. I have to check into that. Very interesting. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That has to be taken into account. So I'm just saying, in other words, giving a classical gift December 25th is a real serious problem. But if, that's what I'm wondering as to whether, given, you know, how people can take it, that over here can be viewed differently. In other words, really can be viewed differently. It's not a regular, you know, I'm not giving, they're not assuming that I'm giving. That they would never, you could imagine them approaching, let's say, for example, an Orthodox person who you know, doesn't celebrate, you know, the holiday whatsoever, but can you participate in this? Because this doesn't have to do with the holiday, this has to do with charity which we're giving on the holiday. They wouldn't view it as a religious. So that's what I'm wondering as to whether it might be viewed differently. They would uh, go approach, you know, they would approach, uh, you know, all kinds of different people. They would approach uh, atheists, they would approach, uh, you know, Muslims, they would approach everybody. You know what I mean? They would just say, we're giving charity. We have to do with the holiday. You know? Right. 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 It's a lot of overhead. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. It's a lot of overhead. <laughs> really? Wow. figure proper diplomacy to get extract yourself in that situation. Yeah, 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 that could be a problem. Could be a problem. Yeah, yeah, could be a problem. Okay, um, there are a few different uh, 
uh, two different issues. Two? I think there were only yeah, two different issues which I, I want to bring up. First of all, food and refrigerators. So this is a halacha which I've seen. I want to say, I'm just going to present my point of view um, in regard to it. Which Then I remembered that somebody told me that Rabbi Daniel Nusbach, literally today, very recently, I listened quickly to excerpts from a, um, a shir that he once gave on this at an Aguda convention, in which he said the same thing that I always had assumed. Now, I want to tell you what I'm telling you now before I tell you what I'm going to say, that I've seen in certain sources, in certain um, presentations of halacha, you know, summaries where they say something different. And I just don't really understand it. Um, so I'll explain very briefly um, what I think the halacha is in regards to food in the refrigerator. So, there are two different halachas which are mentioned in the Gemara and are mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch. One, which is often used, is the term It's a very famous expression. Um, it's very interesting how, you know, Everything is dependent upon luck. Which means certain halachas have luck, and certain halachas don't have luck. So the halacha of has, like, luck to an exponential power. Because Ashkenazim generally paskin that there is no such halacha as Vasishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishish
because of the fact that absolutely nobody was attending it. To the extent that even if a non-Jewish person were attending it and watching over it, then it wouldn't be Bafish and Isalim in Ayin because of the fact that the non-Jewish person is watching it and wouldn't let, let, let a bird um, swap out the, the uh, piece of meat. So let's say, for example, when could this happen? Let's say Svardi, um, let's say, for example, is up in the country and they're out barbecuing. And then they let's say, for example, um, the meat is frozen, so they leave it outside for a while next to the barbecue, and they go inside for an hour, right? And they left the meat there, unattended, while it's, um, you know, so they're not concerned about, let's say, for example, about, it's not a sealed package, they're not concerned about flies, uh, let's say for a minute, they're not concerned, just to come up with some scenario, they leave it unattended, at least for, bus trying to actually meet for a second, so they go inside, let's say, for example, for a minute, they're not concerned about flies for a minute, so they go inside for a minute. Right there, Shiloh for Sfati Rose, Bosch and Salomon Ayan, they did not, well, the meat was left unattended, even for a minute, even for a very short period of time. That's Bosch and Salomon Ayan. So that's a very specific circumstance, and Ashkenaz can say in that case that's totally fine. You can go out inside, out, you can go inside for a long time, come back outside again, there's no reason to think the bird switched it, and that's not considered to be a problem. So, this is a totally separate halakha than something else, and this is why I've seen it in certain sources, they seem to mix these two halakhas together, and people very often assume that the second one is also Basish, Yisalim, and Ayin. They make a challenge out of it. There's a second din, which comes from the Gemara, according in the Shulchan Aruch, in greater detail, which is that if you give um, food, and it's not only meat, it could be meat, it could be fish, it could be cheese, you give food over to the care of a, um, of a non-Jewish person. Then, if he has control over it, could he switch it for something else in order to make a profit? So let's assume for a minute he would have, let's say, for example, meat. And it could be, again, many other products as well. And he says, hmm, if I switch this meat, let's say, for example, imagine he has such, which is uh, kosher, for non-kosher meat, you know what the differential on that is? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can make a lot of money off of that. So that's why, let's say, this is the real halacha, if you're at work, or for that matter, you're in a shul, and a non-Jewish person shows up with a delivery of food from a restaurant or from a store, then you have to make sure there's what they call chasimos on it. It has to be sealed, right? In a way that if the chasimos, the seals, were broken, the Jewish person would have to recognize it. And that's the real halacha. That's the, if, if the Jewish person is delivering it, then it doesn't need the seals. It goes directly from a Jewish setting. Jewish person takes it, delivers it to another Jewish person. No problem. But if a non-Jewish person has control over it, then you need these chasimos. Sometimes you need two chasimos, sometimes you need one chasimah. But in any case, you need these seals. Okay, which is why you have that kind of tape, right, that they have all the time. So, that's if he has control over it. But if he doesn't have control over it, that halacha doesn't, no, no such halacha appears. And some of the post say that really you're not concerned about this. You're not, you don't have to be concerned that let's say, for example, let's transition over to our topic. I put something in the refrigerator. Let's say, for example, a salami sandwich or a roast beef sandwich or whatever, something which I'm going to heat up or whatever the case might be. So we have to assume that no Jewish per- non-Jewish person has any control over it. We have to assume a non-Jewish person is going to come and switch it for what? For something else which looks similar? Which, which halacha does that fall under? That falls under the halacha, doesn't fall under the halacha of entrusting something to a non-Jewish person. That's not the, that the halacha doesn't apply because it didn't entrust it to anybody. 
Elawat, it might, and Elawat, it might have, the buffer should be following in the eye because nobody was watching it. So, first of all, does that fit the buffer should be in But, anyways, for Ashkenazim, certainly, we assume the buffer should be following in the which only applies to buffer alone, right? It doesn't apply to other kinds of food, by the way. So, buffer should be following in is mutter, basically. What's the reason? Why would I think that anything happened to it? I come back and it's in the same package that it was before. For which reason, I always thought when they mention this, I will tell you, and I'm but Ladati if you find the if your rub tells you otherwise, that uh, that it, I always I always assumed that I couldn't figure out why this halacha would apply when you put something in a refrigerator um, or some other kind of setting that assumes that somebody's going to switch it. Um, in certain places, you'll find that they'll mention these halachas sort of like together. But there's a halacha, basish nisanam in ayin, and then you have to have chasimos. So wait a second, basish nisanam in ayin chasimos. These two halachas. To two, one's in Simon Samach Gimel, right? Chapter 63. That's Vatish Zan and Ayin. The other one is in chapter, is in Simon Kuf Yud Ches. Two different halachos. Vatish Zan and Ayin has nothing to do with Chasimos, right? And we pass in the Vatish Zan is basically Mutter. The din of Vatish Zan and Ayin per se is Mutter. So, by the way, I'm not saying it's all on my own, even though I didn't, uh, you know, take a poll in regard to this, but when I I uh, actually was driving in the car today, so I said, I gotta hear that cheer because somebody told me that Rabbi Daniel Nussat is a Tom Chachamov, right, and postic of real stature, um, what, had given a shear on this Niagara, so he said exactly this. He said, they're two different dinim. I, I once spoke about this Shuras night because I thought people do, didn't know about this, so I talked about these two halachas side by side. Exactly these two halachas side by side. So people get mixed up in regard to it. So Rabbi Nussat, you can look it up on Torah anytime if you want. So in any case, uh, listen to Rabbi Nussat here. Don't trust me. But uh, in any case, he talked about this um, this issue as well. And the fact that it's really... But he didn't mention that in certain sources they seem to conflate the issues and make this mixture out of them. But I don't think the two are the same. And I don't see how the issue of Hasimus should apply in regard to a, um, a setting such as, for example, a refrigerator work or something along those lines. Um, as well as the fact that usually in most of these settings, I'm not saying every one of these settings, most of the settings, you have constant access to that same place. You can make an argument, you can make an argument sometimes it's what we call CSI, and like I know how the person put the same mustard the same way that I would on the same, really? Like that's CSI, right? We just say it looks totally different. Right? There's something distinctive about it. That's the hetter that comes up in regard to the situation of the chasimus when I trust it to a non-Jew. If there's, if there's tiyasayin. There's also a halacha, um, of, uh, of yotze v'nichnas, which might apply. That let's say, for example, if I could come in at any point in time, I could get at any point in time. It's on my work setting. I could walk into the area and get at any point in time. That might, another, that be another hetter. So to have, sometimes mentioned that you need two chasimus every single time? I don't know. I just, I didn't understand it. I renewed that. You know, from what I understand, uh, takes that point of view. So um, one can check further into that. That's something which I think is, is practical in a number of different uh, situations. Um, and yeah. Really? Seriously, the things I learned. You see, the, 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 it's interesting how every once in a while I say to myself, "You know what I'm saying? I'm somehow very insulated." Seriously, I never heard of this before. Yeah. 
Really? Really? Oh my gosh, wow. On a <laughs> oh my gosh. And a Raven didn't take it? You sure a Raven didn't take it? A Raven. <laughs> so, anyway. Wow. Okay. Okay, I did not know that at all. Yeah. So two things. Number one, the answer is yes. In other words, you're not entrusting it to them. In the halacha, you don't find explicitly in any place, so far as I know. In other words, it's mentioned, I'm not the one to say this, but other posts can point out that it, to say that a non-Jewish person is going to come for no discernible reason and take my food, even though I want to say that if it's going to happen, you say to yourself, what do you mean? It happens all the time. They swap out, right? But in any case, but if it were that, but if, on the other hand, there's no reason to think they're going to take my food and swap it for something else which looks the same, so then there are no set of halachas that apply to this, no restrictions apply to this. And especially if there's tfiasayim, right? If it's something which is noticeable. That sometimes will come up like there was one time that there was an issue where the food was delivered without, you know, seals. And then you have to figure out, can you say something the food looks distinctive? Then that could be heter, you know, that applies. So, in any case, if, uh, if, if, um, so the answer is yes. Technically, you know, um, that would be okay. Now, eating at a non-kosher restaurant is a very common kind of uh, non-kosher setting. Ramosha has a tshuva back, I think it's in the 1950s, where he talks about this, and he says the problem of Marathon. And Ramosha then also, also offers, offers a heter. He would cause significant financial loss. He says that uh, we find that if a person, let's say, for example, really has to attend. So let's say, obviously, if a person can say, let's go to a kosher restaurant, um, or something along those lines, obviously that's better. But it would cause significant financial loss. I have to participate in order to, you know, be part of my job. Otherwise, I can get in trouble, etc. Then, in that case... Um, Ramosha would allow it and there is a question which comes up which some point out you know which is a compelling kind of question whether Ramosha back in the 1950s was just dealing with a different Mitzvah because it was uh, Maris Ayn in those days for, to see a Jew in a non-kosher restaurant but nowadays apparently it's become prevalent that's one of the things which Usher Weiss discusses and is a common question on Allah let's say um, back at the time when they first uh, innovated um, dairy creamer let's say by way of example and it's a question of to what degree it's become prevalent um, in a situation let's say for example pre-margarine days so you saw somebody sitting in a restaurant, let's say, for example, and taking something which looks like butter and smearing it onto their bread, and then at the same time as they're having chicken, you'd say to yourself, you know, at one point in time, I don't know when they first invented margarine, but then you'd say, what in the world? Is, I can't believe this. You know, and that would have been offered. And there are halachas in the Shulchan Aruch about, you know, making sure that a person won't think that you're doing something which is offered. Um, back in the Gemara, the, you know, the Shulchan Aruch will talk about almond milk. Back, you know, in... in in, in, and uh, what you have to do to make sure that people like you're supposed to put if I remember correctly you're supposed to put almonds on the table you're supposed to figure out it's almond milk you put almonds on the table but in a situation where it's so prevalent like margarine nowadays we don't have to make a hack air anymore because people will know there's no reason to think that you're doing a person's doing something which is author 
right? So therefore, it's permitted. And Rav Asher Weiss has a tshuva in regard to this, and he has other position. Again, one might argue that Moshe would be more inclined to make it even more on a lichat chila basis, um, like Rav Asher Weiss. But Rav Asher Weiss says basically it's mutter. He notes that it depends upon the it depends upon the setting. So let's say, for example, if you have a restaurant, um, let's say, for example, in Wall Street, if a restaurant. Um, let's say, for example, in some other business in midtown Manhattan. And uh, you see business people sitting there at tables and they're having meetings. And you see somebody with a yarmulke sitting there. So what are you going to think? Oh my, I can't believe it's so-and-so, right? You know that it's a restaurant, it's a nice restaurant where people go for business meetings. Um, if it's uh, for some reason, you know, I don't know what, you know, some place where people would not go for business meetings, right? I don't know what this, let's say, for example, I mean, I don't know, it's a place where they only sell uh, pastries or something like that. Uh, and I don't know, maybe people will go for and, and buy pastries, you know, and, and still have a business meeting. But assuming it's some other kind of context, not so clear, Russia Wife points out it's more of a problem, right? Following the logic and the rationale behind this halacha. So in any case, in a situation where a person has, has to, then a person oftentimes... You know, the posting nowadays say that oftentimes it's allowed to. It's not ideal. Obviously, going to a um, kosher restaurant is better. But if a person has to, then there is a basis in halacha when necessary to um, to attend. And then they talk about the details, obviously, in terms of maintaining, you know, kosher guidelines. You have to make sure that, uh, you know, so you have to be very, very careful, right? Sometimes people make mistakes in regard to this, that if they if Let's say, for example, if you have things that are sharp, then might have been cut with a non-kosher knife. Um, you should try to get vegetables which are cut with anything, because what was on the residue of the knife, that sometimes, you know, that's, there are all kinds of details one has to pay attention to. Um, you know, in, in regard to, uh, in regard to um, eating or drinking anything in a non-kosher restaurant. Um, okay, that basically is all, because I went over time anyways, all that I thought I would try to cover today. Okay? All right, so I'm hoping that uh, this was helpful. If you have any questions, you can certainly contact me anytime. Okay? All right, so we'll stop here.